Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 141. I mean, it's been an absolute nightmare getting this show together. First of all, Ben ghosted me and then I ghosted Ben and Stephen, but it seems to have been all for the best because now we're recording on Saturday the 27th of June or one day before the podcast goes out and we've had a massive announcement yesterday late afternoon from Football Index. But I'll introduce my guest first, the returning FI Ben. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Fig, thank you very much. A man who's uh, grown in popularity since his last appearance, I think about 30 weeks ago? Yes, just uh, on Twitter just before December, actually. Um, it's been a fascinating journey on Football Index. What a year to join the Index, right? <laughs> you've, uh, you've certainly contributed to the community in so many different ways, and you've obviously done some great trading along the way as well. Why don't you remind people about your Football Index journey in the last 12 to 18 months? Right, so I joined in July last year, um, just about a year on FI now, almost. Um, I'm a huge football fan, and I work in medical research, which involves lots of modelling. So when I first joined FI, I bought players I liked. I didn't understand what players uh, were value, how the market worked, etc. I would recommend doing the same thing to all new users, because diversification buying the players you like gives you an understanding of how the market works why players rise why they why they drop in price mm. um so learn the market follow the right accounts listen to these podcasts but anyway <laughs> anyway as a, as a keen data Some enthusiast, decent advice there <laughs> exactly uh, as a keen data enthusiast um it, it took me a couple months to to sort of get into it but once i had a better understanding of of this particular market which is unique um, I set out to try to identify the best free bets, if you like, in terms of performance. So I, I really focus on um, on performance aspect. So over six months or so, I created um, my performance and Ben scores, which I'm sure we'll go into uh, in a little bit. Um, it still hasn't changed that name, the Ben score. I and it never be will. Something more innovative. It yeah. never will. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm fairly impressed with the resilience of the platform under such extraordinary times. So looking forward to uh, to the next year. Yeah, I think we all are, especially after yesterday's announcement. Uh, we're also joined by FI Data Stephen, who was probably meant to come on about a year ago, but um, I mean, a long-weighted appearance, I suppose. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, um, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Apart from my hay fever, I'm, I'm dying oh, which, no. with that, but um, apart from that, I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Why don't you tell what users about your football index journey? Yeah, um, so I started back in May 17, so over three years ago now. Um, found it just scrolling on Twitter, um, followed a couple of betting accounts, and one of them decided to start using football index. Found it quite interesting. Um, I think the first couple of weeks I actually signed up when I was in Spain, and I think I invested invested about £50 and ended up having my account suspended and had to start over again, which was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, that last, last couple of years have been um, very interesting. Obviously, I think I started when it was just media buzz. Um, so I think that first that first summer transfer season, you had the, the big strikers coming to the Premier League, Morata, Lukaku, but then I'd Perisic and James Rodriguez saga as well. So that was fun. Uh, I think that kind of just got me hooked into it with the amount of um, the, the percentages you could make on some of the transfers, especially. Um, 
Yeah, the last three years have just been amazing, really. Performance buzz, some of the announcements, the market growth has just been incredible. Um, and obviously up until the, the announcement yesterday as well, it kind of just makes a good path for especially the next couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great. And I mean, I, I'm sure we'll get into that straight away. Um, but, you know, it's great to have two guys that are contributing to the community as, as well as you are. Um, ben with a fantastic article the other day. Um, do you want to plug that, Ben, quickly before we move on? Uh, yes, so I, I recently, uh, just yesterday, released a blog just sort of looking at what PB scores are needed to win, um, combining the work of several several different uh, accounts on Twitter. And then I looked at which players um, have been competing for these scores. It's all data from before the COVID break. Um, but it's, it's worth a read if you haven't read it yet. Just uh, look at my Twitter page, at FIBenman. And there's a link there onto the Index Edge website. Yeah, definitely check it out because it's a great blog. But uh, yeah, some some really great stuff coming from from both yourselves and, and so many other people in the community at the moment. Before we get into it, uh, just need to plug the Patreon. I think we've hit 50 members now, which is pretty amazing. Uh, if you guys want to do, check it out. Go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash FI guide. Five pound, uh, three pound, eight pound and 12 pound tiers. VAT not included, as many of patrons will will tell you. Uh, I've, I've been embroiled in a battle with... Um, patreon about how they treat their european content creators which I'm, I'm not too happy about but i had a suggestion the other day from someone that i should have just done one tier and it should be with no ad- added content it should just be support fig which i found quite strange but uh you know if there's any other feedback people have for the patreon if you're on it or not then uh, please do reach out and, and let me know there's some great ideas maybe some not so great ideas but i'm willing to to hear them all out um but before we move on to questions that we got in the community guys i mean it'd be remiss of us to not talk about the announcement yesterday i don't know if you caught the uh Figcast extra extra with uh panda but uh we were kind of dissecting it uh, ben, w- walk me through your general thoughts on this. Like, you know, it's slightly unexpected. I mean, we probably expected something in July, but uh, what are your thoughts on the announcement? Yeah, it came so- sort of out of nowhere, but I guess the market was very stagnant. Uh, there was a lot of complaining and moaning on Twitter. So I'm sure the HQ at FI realised this and thought it was time to give some sort of clarity about the future, which I think is absolutely amazing and it's what we've all been crying for um in terms of the actual announcement itself um i I love the fact that they're going to change mb and i can't wait to hear what they're going to do um for the the dividend increase that's obviously brilliant um i'd expect something around the 50 percent increase at this point um i think 100 percent may be slightly ambitious and below 50%, in my opinion, would be a slight disappointment. Um, but the best news for me is the the uh, remaining, uh, or how, how would I say, the fact that the PV matrix is remaining the same. <laughs> that is brilliant news because the bigger the sample we have, the more we can predict the future. Mm, mm. I can't see you nodding, Stephen, but I can imagine you are as well. Yeah, completely echo every single thought that Ben just said there. Um, no, I think there's some really good uh, points that they've they've definitely made yesterday. Um, again, especially for me and Ben, it's the the, the matrix staying the same. Um, that historical data coming into play there, so that'll be that'll be amazing. And I think 
the uh, the one billion market cap should be uh, very interesting over the next maybe a couple of years. Mm, I mean, it, even if, if if they keep the matrix the same uh, for the twenty twenty two season, um, I mean that'll be incredible. We'll have so much data on these players. Um, I think it would be really incredible in terms of analysis. You mentioned that it's going to be easier for you guys to predict things or events in the future, PB scores in the future, due to having a larger sample size. How big a difference does it make to have that extra season? I think it's massive. Um, it, it gives us a year's worth of a player's data, doesn't it? So, I think... also, also progression, which I think is fascinating for the for the younger players. So, uh, for example, at the moment, a lot, a lot of the younger, you know, the 19 to 21 age group uh, are not playing so much and we're really running off less than a thousand minutes uh, which I don't think gives you very valid data but you know seeing the progression through two three years um, all under the same PB matrix it it might give us a sort of way of forecasting their progression through their career Um, it could really be fascinating I think I think that is really fascinating I think that is really fascinating because this PB matrix hasn't actually been around for that long, has it? No, exactly. So I, I joined this season, but um, I know I've been speaking to a lot of people who who are keen data enthusiasts. Um, and if I were to have joined last season and have done all this data analysis last season and the PB matrix had changed as it did, I would have had to start all over again um, mm. just because you're running off completely different variables. Yeah, and I think that's obviously one of the things that I think um, Akash mentioned on the podcast, didn't he? I don't know if you guys uh, listened to the one with Adam Cole yes, and Akash, but um, he said uh, something along the lines of when we do make changes, we want to give traders the tools to cope with those bumps, to cope with those changes. And in the current state that we are, we kind of rely on guys like you, guys like Index Game, guys like Edge and, and all the other great analytics pr- uh, providers and content creators out on Twitter to kind of rustle something up as soon as something changes. Whereas really, FI should be giving us these uh, metrics, shouldn't they? They should be giving us more data whenever, I mean, let's say the PV matrix changes at the beginning of the 21-22 season. I'd love FI to give us kind of a full set of scores for the previous season with the new matrix, if that makes sense. Do you reckon? I, I don't think it's down to them, to be honest. I, I do think it's down to other providers. I'd probably agree with Ben, to be honest. Um, it is something that I've thought about before. Um, It'd be so too easy. Yeah, it, it just um, stopped the analysis sometimes of I guess, me, Ben, other providers as well. But, but you know, you, you guys do much more than the base layer of data right you know that there is far more analysis and work that goes into what you guys provide i'm talking about the very bare bones that i think you know if the intrinsic value of bets are being changed that everyone really should have the access to yes i agree actually um to an extent they should so i know on the on the website they have uh some very basic data for each player if you click on them don't they um you know pb per 90 pb per game minutes they've played etc I think it would be quite a good idea to maybe add the sum of the dividends won that season, um, you know, their their highest score that season, something like that. A little bit more information could definitely be useful, and I don't think it would be too hard to program. I think possibly a bit more information, but I don't I don't think they'll go much more than what they already have. If you look at places like Bet Three Six Five, 
they don't give you much either. You have to go off on your own and analyse player performances, team performances, fixtures, etc. I think I, I don't see them providing much more information than what they've already got. I mean, is there anything that stood out to you guys apart from what we've already discussed? I mean, I think off air, uh, Ben, you mentioned the £1 billion market cap exciting you. Mm. Well, I mean, why wouldn't it excite you? <laughs> that's, that's a huge growth, isn't it? And I, I, I'd be interested to know if that is based solely off um, marketing in the UK or if in their long-term plans this £1 billion will be achieved by... Um, expansion yeah I think um, I mean the 1 billion market cap thing is, is quite interesting isn't it because there's a, a few ways that it can go about it right you know if you think about you know Adam Cole was very bullish on on two, uh, 10x growth in the last in the next two years I kind of see that with um, growth in the current um, dividend structures. I see that in uh, adding a lot a hell of a lot more players to the point where we have like 2x the amount of players on the platform and, and then i also eventually when we see kind of uh the pb mb and ipd kind of uh payouts maybe perfected or refined to see some other layer of maybe value added to the rest of the platform i don't know whether that comes in the form of a team of the month or some sort of uh payout per score over x but I think that eventually something like that will come come in. I mean, they experimented, didn't they, with super match day dividends? Um, they've experimented with transfer dividends, so they're kind of that's I think been at the forefront of their mind in terms of add, adding as many layers of value as possible, but without making it too complex, which is a very tough thing to do. It's it's almost between a, a rock and a hard place for football index, but I, I do think that with div increases that are generous over the next two years and uh, a whole lot of players added, we're not going to get there maybe, but I don't think we'll be horrifically far off. I think we might be halfway there. I was speaking to um, Index Track the other day and um, his projections show us anywhere between 500 and a billion, so... Could be interesting. Depends what they do, really. I, I'm hoping for some sort of long-term dividend payout that I think Adam's mentioned before. I think they might have tried that with Super Match Day dividends as well. So I think that will definitely help the growth of the market. Maybe some some more long-term investors. Um, yes, it'd be nice to find a way to reward the sort of backbones of teams, uh, the players who put in week in week out. A good shift but are beaten by another teammate due to a game winning goal or something like that yeah I think team of the month is something that quite a few people have asked for I know a couple of people are against it but I think it's still it, it gives those players that Ben's just said a chance a bigger chance of winning and I think they should have that chance being the best players in the team sometimes are there, are there any surprises from you guys from, from this no, just uh, the announcement itself was quite surprised. I was uh, not expected at all. Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to put as much in. Um, I expected a couple of announcements, but not not that many. So there's some good parity around some things as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. I mean, I do I do love that people have been taken surprised by it, even though we've been. Yeah, I kind of told that something would come around in about July time. I mean, it's very late June, so they probably brought that forward maybe a week or, or, or two. But uh, it is interesting. I think there was so much uncertainty in the market, but 
a lot of people didn't think kind of probabilistically and, and what would happen from an FI standpoint or what is likely to happen. I think people started making stories up in their heads or like, you know, there's going to be a dividend decrease or um, the PB matrix is going to be flipped on its head or suddenly FI are going to come out with a mechanism where, uh, or PB and MB matrixes where Sancho and Bappe are worthless. And I just kind of look at some of those statements. There's so many holes in them that it's hard to know where to start picking them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just, I just looked at a lot of the reaction from the community and it was a lot of incensed, quite frustrated people, which to some extent with the uncertainty and the, the lack of clarity I understood, but some of it was just not thinking in terms of probabilities, likelihoods of things happening. And I even said on the um, private uh, uh, Patreon uh, podcast, the monthly one that I did, uh, recently that went out uh, last week, I kind of said the roadmap is going to be, uh, you know, very importantly, the things that are going to happen are media review, um, uh, dividend review, and the sell orders in that kind of order. And I think they're kind of happening in that, you know, that, that kind of order that we're looking at. There's going to be the, the dividend increase or on the 9th of July and then more information on media uh in July and then the sell orders are likely to come in August aren't they so um, those three things were key to me and it felt like they were the logical steps and the most likely steps I just it it it, it was hard for me to look at some of the tweets and look and think you know am I going crazy or is everyone around me going crazy <laughs> also hard to make any conclusive arguments against the points because Without this clarity from FI, it's all speculation. And now we do know what's going to happen. And all those who have been moaning and trying to predict some sort of downfall of FI have been proven wrong to an extent. They've been paddled on the bottom, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I think one more important thing in there is definitely the roadmap as well. Yeah. If any future features, that should be, I think that's something that a lot of people wanted. Um, mm. does that, mm. that'd be really interesting to see see how long in future they go with that as well whether that's next year or next couple of years yeah and I think um, that was mentioned by Akash on the podcast where um, you know there is there is a need for a roadmap and there is a demand for a roadmap from football index traders and if FI can kind of add something like that then it would be an absolute game changer wouldn't it um, yeah that'd be amazing I think New countries could be on there as well, which would be nice. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, I know impending regulations are, are getting tougher and tougher in terms of actually getting into new territories, but um, having a bit more clarity on how that works, where that will work, etc., would be amazing. Yeah, I think the pool market is definitely something that's quite important there as well. If they can get that in, then that would just be a game changer again. Well... Before we move on, I just need to plug Index Gain. If you guys head over to indexgain.co.uk, you can use the code FIG2020 for five quid off your first month. But that's not all. If you go for the semi-annual plan, you get one month free, then another five pounds on top of that with the FIG2020 code. You can look at all previous PB scores uh, pretty much since the start of uh, the index. Um, and it essentially you know, will give you a platform for... The rest of this season and, and next season where the pb matrix we know and love or well i mean some of us love has been confirmed to stay the same so have a check it uh, have a look out there um fig 2020 for five quid off your first month or um your six month membership with a free first month over on indexgame.co.uk so the first question comes from exiled fi what do you feel are the most influential chart comparisons you've produced 
So uh, I think there's three questions here, so I'll ask them one by one. Uh, ben, why don't you get when you start <laughs> the next one? Well, Fig, um, I think there's been lots of controversial talk about the impact of my player comparisons. Um, <laughs> they, they, I, I've seen a few accounts saying that they seem to have impacted the price of of a specific player, that player being Odegaard. Um, I, when I first released the player comparisons, it was something I'd just very recently thought of and I was just sharing it to see what the interest was. Um, but there was a highly unexpected success um, and the thread got a reasonable amount of traction. Um, but specifically, I, I do want to address this because um, I did receive a lot of messages regarding this. Um, when I did release that comparison between um, Odegaard and Havertz, um, at the time, firstly, both players were playing very similar positions. Um, Havertz, of course, is now much more of a striker than a cam. Um, and he's also been posting incredible scores. Um, and whereas Odegaard, now with the return of season, has been quite the opposite. Um, so I'm sure if this comparison was to be made now, it'd be very different. Um, but also, about an hour after that tweet, um, La Liga... You know, announced they were returning. Um, the day after that, Zidane announced that he wanted Odegaard back at Real. So, you know, it was a lot of events that came together. Um, but I do think uh, the the player comparisons uh, have been the most uh, influential charts, I would say. Yeah, some of those have been really popular. And I think you got inundated with requests, didn't you? People mm. wanting to see how their holds play up against this person's hold. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, co- comparative value is it's, it's a useful tool. Um, it shouldn't be used uh, on its own. But it is interesting, you know, uh, two players in the same position, same age, uh, similar PB output-wise, one so much more expensive than the other. And I guess that's the, uh, the basis of the panda poses on your... Your fig cast extra. Yeah, I know it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we've uh, we've got some some work to do there. I think Panda has been doing doing some things behind the backgrounds, hasn't he? Hmm. Uh, Stephen, what about yourself on this question? Um, so I've probably not produced too many. To be honest, probably every three or four weeks, I have a look at the, the data analysis and produce a couple of charts. But I think the best one so far is probably the the creativity and flair one that I put out maybe a month or so ago. So it's a combination of key passes and attempted dribbles. And it's kind of two sh- two stats that correspond very well to the standout players if you're watching a match, maybe apart from goals. So they're, pe- they're the players that catch people's eyes most. Um, and I think it's, on that chart, it showed that um, as a combination of both of them, Neymar and Messi were the standouts for their um it's also a possibility of trying to maybe find players that are value that you might not know as well. Um, or the younger players that might have the potential to obviously become the next Messi and Neymar without maybe some of the other output that they, they bring, but obviously it's just one part of it. Um, I think the closest player that I saw to Messi and Neymar was, is it Munir Chua? Um Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know that he's had quite a lot of hype this season, so be interesting to see what he can do um, and there's a crazy stat that I think he's had 33 key passes and no assists so far this season <laughs> <laughs> he's story? not exactly playing in the best uh, it's uh, Sh- Chua uh, is that how you pronounce his name Chua oh okay. uh, yeah I've gone for I Chua. don't really know how, yeah. you, how you pronounce it but, um, <laughs> you something know. like that 
absolutely butchered his name there. But uh, yeah, no assists. I mean, he's playing not in a great team, is he? So uh, yeah. So again, it, it, yeah, it could be interesting, especially if he moves to a better team um, in a similar role. So yeah, I think that's probably my favourite one so far. Um, next question: If you wanted to buy three players and leave them a year, what types of players would you go for? If I'm looking ty- at types, it's, it's got to be they've got to have age on their side as one. And then they've got to be either very strong in MB or PB or have a, some sort of hybrid. So I think the three players I'd be going for are Sancho, which is an obvious one, Trent is an obvious one, and possibly Kane. Um, so obviously, yeah, San- Sancho, obviously, Sancho and Trent are the obvious ones. I think Kane, um, I know he's been injured for a little bit of this season. So I think his goals come into play quite a lot in terms of PB. So I think he could win quite a bit. And he's always there for MB as well. Um, I think he's had 94 pence of M- MB so far so very good <laughs> not too bad at all yeah I'm 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 very youth uh, well when I say youth I say below uh, 25 I'm very youth orientated in terms of my bias um, personally um, I would simply buy the three best youngsters um, on the platform um, and in my opinion, um, and statistically, those are Trent, Sancho and Mbappe. Uh, one of each position, the best youngsters in the world. I can't see it going too wrong from there. <laughs> yeah, unless some big injuries happen. I don't unless, think yes. Too far wrong. Um, what's your next chart graph or comparison plan? Any uh, sneak peeks at what, what's coming up, boys? Mm, I'm, I'm, well, Bundesliga is ending today. Um, so you can expect in a week or so we'll be producing an in-depth analysis of the Bundesliga before and after the COVID break. That'd be good to see. Uh, I've not got any no plans for me. I think a lot of my research comes from um, either just scouring Twitter to see what people are saying and then maybe pulling off the research from there. So <laughs> nothing planned. So the next question comes from FI Headhunter. Two great guests. When assessing a player for purchase, what's the area of data that you look at first and why? Uh, Stephen, take us away with this one. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, um, a lot of my purchases are always long-term players. So normally age comes in first. Um, so if I'm looking at the spreadsheet, it's predominantly if I'm looking at anyone, it's it's always trying to, to filter for the age first, normally under maybe 26 years old. Um, I just find there's a, a slight risk in buying some of the older players. You don't see some of the capital appreciation on them as you would the younger players. Um, and even some of the, the youngsters, like 18, 19-year-old, that are getting on benches or starting the first game, you're seeing a 20, 30 pence rise on those. So age is probably the most important one for me. And I guess it's probably going to be the same for Ben as well. Not to... Uh... Well, definitely age, age, uh, media, transfer potential, things like this. Um, but in terms of uh, the stats and what, what I have to look at before I buy a player is um, first thing I'll look at not to plug my work, but the performance in Ben scores. <laughs> if they're low, what I mean is um, if they're low, um, I tend not to even consider that player, to be honest, um, unless it's due to very few minutes per game. Um, if there's a player I see that looks incredible but hasn't had many starts and they're, they're quite young and I see them progressing and becoming a key member of a team or a transfer, then then certainly I would. But for players getting regular minutes, if they aren't scoring well in my models, um, I really don't 
don't consider them to be honest they're shit at Ben's score they're shit is that what you're saying exactly <laughs> um, yeah it's interesting how important is it to give kind of some context to some of these statistics that you guys look at I mean it's hard, harder to give context to age that is pretty black and white but Ben when you're looking at Ben's score do you ever not make exceptions but do you ever look at stuff like oh well what could have been there what Absolutely. could have happened here um, sort me through that press because I think it's actually really important yes there are a huge number of uh, variables and I like to express this as much as possible um it's not a recipe it's just a guide um so for example i'll talk you through some some caveats if you like um first of all some players have a streak of form um and relatively few a uh, few minutes otherwise i i know that amin harrit before the covid break had an amazing streak of form um you know produced some extremely high scores um but besides that was relatively poor um, so he scored extremely high at the beginning. Um, that went down following the COVID break. But also, the the major the major things to consider are the non-performance uh, variables. So media, um, things like age, transfer transfer potential. All of these things have massive impacts on price. Arguably bigger impacts on price than than performance itself very very interesting stuff i think context added to the analytics if you can get that kind of mix right then you have a, a good chance of making some good money on fi uh, rob cheese right here with a question another set of fantastic guests fig thank you very much i'll take all the products there ben steven you've both created a range of data sets looking at different inputs are there any of your tables slash graphs that you find yourself coming back to time and again when making a purchasing decision great man rob uh, <laughs> great man a great, great man. man very active recently um so um Top five PB um, is really something I love. Um, I love looking at the average of top five PB. I mean, you could be looking at top three t PB, top 10 PB equally as good. Um, but looking at top five PB compared to price is something I really like to do. Um, some players immediately stand out and then, you know, you go into research them and you think, why, why are they such a low price considering they have a huge top five PB or why are they such a high price considering they've got really low top five PB? Um, but it's really interesting. Um, and I use my tables and Stephen's tables and in, on Index Edge every single week um, and then go further into research uh, specific players, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that's one of mine as well. So that's probably the top one that I go back to is definitely um, the top five. It shows which players can hit those high scores even if it's not consistently sometimes. Um I think the other one's probably goal, just golden goal assists per 90 as well. You find some, there's quite a lot of cheap players in there that have got um, very good records this season. I've actually recently started looking away from assists. Um, this is due to uh, well, an analysis I did as well, but mostly Matt Tarby's analysis um, looking at the statistical um, impacts of specific stats on on PB, and he um, he showed that for scores above 200, um, effectively, assists were really very minor in terms of their impact on on on, on getting those PB scores, um, which is something I actually it it became sort of apparent, um, but it was something that did um, impress me as to how important goals and shots were compared to 
um, to assists. And it does make a lot of sense because you see a lot of midfielders who get a lot of assists but never really compete for PB. Um, but it, it is something that traders like. Um, and it's definitely an important thing to consider. Yeah, very interesting stuff, both of you. I mean, it's uh, it's really fascinating to pick your brains on the kind of analytical side of things when when and how it influences your purchasing decisions. It's it's really cool. Uh, another compliment here from Football Index Nature Boy, top draw guest. This will be a must listen, especially for new and recent joiners trying to get into the numbers more deeply. With that in mind, can you walk us through the basics of your scoring mechanism? For example, Ben's score. How and why do you weight stats to produce it? And for, for something different to question about stats modeling, what's the most enjoyable fun part of FI for you? What makes you cheer? What makes you get, what gets you excited? And then he just went, woo, exclamation <laughs> mark. So uh, Ben, I think that's slightly catered more towards you, but Stephen, you can have a crack at it after as well. So firstly, the performance <laughs> score. The performance score is a combination of four scores. So the first being the PB score, which combines PB average, PB max, and the number of scores the players have over 200, 250. The, the latter are weighed most as peaks in, at the end of the day or what win dividends. Um, so the second score is the PB stats score, which essentially combines all of the PB matrix stats together. Um, this goes in line with a positional score, which puts particular weight on certain stats that are most statistically correlated with PB wins. So that's what I was saying earlier about shots, um, shots and goals effectively uh, for forwards. Um, but for defenders, tackles and uh, assists are quite important too. Um, then I have the goals and assists score, which if you like, um, takes into account IPDs uh, to an extent. Goals are the biggest contributor to PB wins, we know that, but generally people, people love goals and assists and that's what make a player rise in value if someone gets free assists in the game uh, that's pretty incredible. Um, so those four scores combine to make the performance score, which essentially identifies um, the best players on Football Index um, for PB. Uh, it's been tweaked and improved over months. I think I uh, started this about seven months ago. Um, but I can say with some degree of confidence that I think it, it is truly representative, um, in my opinion. So that's the performance score. Uh, I'll quickly run through the Ben score. Um, I'll give a brief overview. But if you want more information, uh, do go on my Twitter page. It's my cover photo. It describes both scores completely. Um, but yes, so the Ben score, it's an age-adjusted model uh, comparing the standard deviations of performance of players compared to their price. Effectively, how cheap or expensive a player is uh, for their performance level and then ages factor it in. So it is my model to identify players who are underpriced relative to their likelihood to win performance dividends only. So it doesn't take into factor media. I think media is incredibly complicated to factor in at this moment in time. And thankfully they're changing the media. So that may be something uh, we do in the future. I was going to say, actually, Ben, you sounded pretty excited by the media uh, matrix becoming a bit more robust. Is that something that you're going to start analysing in a bit more depth because it becomes a bit more dynamic? I will do. I'll, I'll definitely dip my toes in it. But um, I think my uh, area of interest is, is the PB aspect of um, of football index. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't buy a player solely based on PB. 
um, without looking at the MB side too. But because I do think MB is hugely overlooked, but we do have people like um, FBI Trader who have recently come in and are specialising in that aspect. Uh, so I'll leave it to leave it to the experts. I think. Yeah, I think I'm uh, along the same lines there as well. Um, I think I think FBI Trader put something out around first name and second names and how much how many articles they've missed. Um, so I think yeah, leave, leaving FBI Trader to that one's probably best. <laughs> and leaving us that's to the what everyone stats. keeps saying about so many different things i think me and uh <laughs> me and panda were discussing something yesterday we were like we'll just leave that to uh to be our trader it's important to know what you don't know mm. Mm. yeah it is it is a very good quality of many smart people out there uh we've got a question here from uh, i mean unless uh, Stephen, you had anything to add, to add there? Like, is there anything you want to talk about there in terms um, of Nature Boy's question? Yeah, I've, I've got a rating of my own as well, but it does sound very similar to Ben's score, <laughs> in which it, uh, it's... Stephen's uh, score. Stephen's score. That's a new one, isn't it? I'm going to start producing that now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a combination of max, average, base, and per 90, and then it's also got age in there as well, so it does sound very similar to, to Ben's. Um yeah, it, it seems to work on mine as well, providing kind of the best players or players that look value. Um, yeah, it's like said, echoed. Our, our players yeah. do perform similarly, wouldn't you say, Stephen? Yeah, I know me, you and Paul put something together a while ago um, where we put our rankings down next to each other and then provide the final ranking. I think mine and Ben's were always very similar, I think, weren't they? Yes, yes. Um, it's definitely something we need to do again. Um, we we obviously factored age into one of the, the free models, and so that may have changed some things. Um, but it's definitely something uh, I'd love to do again in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting, some of the stuff that you guys are coming up from. Forever innovating the analytical side of Football Index Twitter. Uh, Index Analyst, uh, great guy, got a question here. With more analytical accounts appearing almost daily, how long do you think it will be until content shifts from descriptive statistics towards modelling, forecasting to predict long-term dividends? Have either of you experimented in building an algorithmic model and had any success? I mean, this is really tough to do, isn't it? Because uh, predicting how a player's career develops from a modelling standpoint is almost impossible. I mean, it's very easy to predict how Luis Suarez might return and Messi might return in the next three years. But, um, you know, if we're talking someone like uh, Harvey Elliott or Phil Foden, it's a bit harder, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I, I don't think it, I think, again, what, what you said, it's, I don't I think it's impossible, to be honest, because there's so many factors that, aren't stats um, like attitude for one I know a lot of players I know some young players look amazing on stats and they look amazing when you watch them but attitude um, I know a couple of players have not fulfilled their potential due to that um, so it it's something that I've looked at before um, but I stopped after a few hours because it, it just wasn't working from what I did I, I don't know about you Ben have you tried something? Um, well I was waiting for this announcement, to be honest. Um, now that I know the PB matrix is staying the same, I am going to devote a lot of time to doing this over the summer. Um, I don't know if algorithmic model is, is the way to put it, but I will be using probabilities um, and the stats from this season to predict next seasons. Um, I think it's impossible to predict 
uh, you know, the season afterwards. You, you don't know where players are going. You don't know if they're going to get injured or things like that. But I think with this season's data, it should be possible to predict, to some extent, next season's um, winners. Do you think that, do you think that's as far as it can go next seasons, or do you think you can try and predict I, a few I, seasons away? I really do think so. I think, um, it, I mean, if, for example, if if a if a player, uh, let, let me think of an example, or Sancho, for example, if Sancho moves to Man United, um, it's going to be extremely different. Um, he's going to have a completely different role. Um, it could be better, it could be worse. Um, but I think, uh, for example, with with a with a smaller scale player, someone who hasn't been playing so many minutes for a team and then moves to a big team or something like that, it'll have a huge impact. Um, and I think you can't predict those kind of events uh, long term. I think you can only go as far as one season. I would say yes. Yeah, I say season's probably good. I think that's about right. But I mean, you you don't need a you don't need more than a season really. Uh, you can just predict it every season and review yearly. Yeah, I think uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's very it's very difficult to model the kind of likelihood of dividend returns very far in the future. I mean, you guys talked about a season there, but that's realistic. I mean, uh, you know, a drop in the water is that of a player's career. It's very hard to kind of uh, model a whole player's career, which is... But, but also, also the other point is, um, the other really important point actually is um, the dividend increases. I mean, so once we know dividend increases for next season, you can predict, you know, the probability of a player earning X amount of dividends. But... I don't know what the dividends are going to be in, in three years' time. So if I predict it based off this year's or next season's dividends, uh, it could be hugely uh, below the dividends that players will be will be winning. I mean, if dividends are 10 times what they are now in three years' time, um, <laughs> I mean, they'd win 50p in, in a week rather than in a year. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's really crazy to kind of think about it that way, but you're totally right, aren't you? It's, uh, it's really hard to kind of model that part of things as well. The intangibles, the things that we don't know, what FI might do, how big the increase would be, if there's going to be an increase at all, etc. So, well, before we move on to some less analytically driven questions, even though all that stuff was amazing, actually to plug The Athletic. Today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic. They're a subscription-based sports news site. I can't imagine not having it and not being able to read articles there. Uh, they feature football reports you know and love, like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee, and Rafa Honigstein. And if you're on the index and you're kind of looking to up your football knowledge or know the latest about the football world then the athletic is usually the way to go especially as transfer season is on the horizon i think it's super important to be a part of that so if you want 50 percent off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around go to the athletic.co.uk slash fig and it's two pound 49 a month if you go for the annual deal which is cheapest chips isn't it i mean literally cheapest chips in some part of the country uh what have you been buying uh that cost more than £2.49 recently, Ben? Well, um, I can confirm yesterday I bought a venison steak and that was certainly more than uh, £2.50. Venison steak, blimey. Mm. Ah, we, we live completely different lives, don't we? Well, for no, <laughs> no restaurant outings. You, you have to treat yourself from time to time. <laughs> Stephen? Well, what have I bought recently? Um, I had a Chinese last night, so I'll, I'll go for that. <laughs> what did you get? I had what? duck. Oh, nice duck as a starter. Oh, is that with the yeah. with the pancakes or? Yeah, oh, duck aromatic. It. I think it is. Oh, oh brilliant! Yeah, yeah. Anything, anything for your main or? No, just went for that. Just a nice starter. 
didn't need too much. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> uh, to be fair, if you get quarter duck, that's pretty filling, isn't it? Add a half. So. <laughs> Never more. <laughs> Bloody hell, you monster. It's not messing about. Uh, <laughs> he's not messing about. FBI trader, do you think a lot of traders place too much focus on player capital appreciation, depreciation, and the short-term portfolio valuation? Lots of Asians in this question. Which can lead to negative sentiment instead of looking at dividend analysis, growth investing, which often leads to capital appreciation. I think for this one, um, I think some people, I think it depends on portfolio size sometimes as well with capital appreciation. Got a smaller portfolio, it tends to be a lot easier to to buy those players. Um, I think people need to probably have a bit more patience sometimes with short-term portfolio valuation. Um, I think if you've got someone in the red, you're more likely to sell, but they might not be the best players to sell. Um, I know it's not nice to look at sometimes, but the players in the red can sometimes be value, better value than the players in the green. And then I think it's a bit of a funny one, that one. Yeah, impatient. impatience really kills profit. Um, I repeat this time and time again on my timeline. It really is incredible. One bad performance or a week of, of expected natural decline and uh, fear spreads like wildfire. Um, if you sell a long-term hold after a week without a good reason, so for example, a broken leg or you see, you've researched and you see a player who's going to give you a lot better profit, um, both short-term or long-term, you are cutting your profit and your hard work researching for really essentially nothing other than fear. If you buy players you really believe in, players you've researched, and you end up holding them for the right length of time, you will have profit. You've said this, Fig, let the market come to you. Having said that, um, I do think it's important to to have exit points, uh, or at least review points. So, you know, you, you, you buy this player and you say, in six months' time, if he hasn't improved or if he hasn't earned that spot in the team, um, then I'll reconsider. Um, so it's important to have review points or, or, or planned exit points and say, hang on, this player is a bit expensive now. Um, but in terms of, of FBI's question, it's, it is really important to, to research players in terms of their dividend analysis um, and how, how they might grow and review that regularly. Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes people get a bit too emotional over it. Sometimes it's down to mentality. Um, it's like you were saying there with players that have bad performances. It might not be necessary they want to sell because they've had a bad performance, but because they know a lot of other people are going to sell. Um, so I think that comes into play sometimes as well. I think it adds to more of the drop sometimes. But it, it, it's such short-termism. Um, you really shouldn't be selling because of... You know, shouty accounts on, on Twitter or the forums or wherever. Um, if you've done the hard work, believe in yourself. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just hard to... Some people find it more difficult to, to keep those players, have a, have a steady head, I guess. Mm. I think, you know, you've both spoken so, so well in, in this kind of... Um, on this question, I think FBI traders kind of getting at so many good points here. I mean, the other thing that people really do underestimate is the compounding effect of football index of how dividends can actually um, impact that i mean it's really underestimated if we take sentiment and capital appreciation away you know if you use that dividend uh, that you've won to buy more dividend 
winning players or players that will rise, then the compounding effect of that is massive. And I think people really underestimate that on top of the kind of short-term portfolio valuation that people seem to be absolutely obsessed with, you know, daily growth. If people have one down day or one down week, then they seem to to go crazy. And I think if, if you want to kind of look into this a bit more, then I, I think Fair FBI traders have some wonderful tweets about it. But Panda did a great thread on his betting activity between 2014 and 2018. And he talks a lot about how um, he actually took three to four years to turn a profit in his professional gambling career, which is a long time. Imagine like that's, that's nearly as long. Yeah, that's nearly as long as FI has been alive. So I think people really need to have more patience um, with their kind of strategies, with their portfolio valuations, whatever you want to call it, because I think it is, you know, it's not always about letting the market come to you. But if you can kind of master how to do that, then you're going to probably be making a lot of money, aren't you? Yes, I think if you're chasing percentages, um, you're going to again end up going off the wrong track. I, I personally don't look at my percentage really because I'm constantly putting money in to the index at the same rate as my portfolio is growing, to be honest. Um, so the percentage increases slowly, um, but certainly not to the extent as if I'd just thrown all the money in at the beginning of the year, I think it's more important to to, to go at your own rate. Um, and well, at the end of the day, put in what you can afford. Um, and the more confident you get, the more the more you can put in. Awesome. Well, we'll move on to the next question here from uh, Trawlers for Ballers, former guest, of course, again. Uh, question for both. Do you see yourselves investing more time in data analysis of price movements and soon order book depths and less towards player performance analysis when order books are fully implemented? And I think the, um, the announcement said something really interesting, didn't they? It said this platform will be driven by passion and and the love of football or something like that rather than forex pairs which i kind of ended up deciphering as being something like this is going to be driven by a love of football a passion for football rather than really rigid and granular technical analysis now i was going to say i think in terms of the question yes um prices are going to be it's worth looking into prices quite a lot especially when this comes out i think People have already done it so far. Um, I know I did with the, the first day of uh, the matching engine. Um, I know a lot of players obviously didn't have that, that sell price. So if you got in low and you got in with impatient traders, um, then it was worth it. So I know I, I think I got one good bargain on the, the first day, which was Kane. I think I made about 80 pence a couple of weeks later, which was good. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think when the full order books comes in, there's going to be so much opportunity um, to find bargains if you're prepared to look for them. Mm, I think I agree. I'll be I'll be waiting until the the order books are fully implemented. But certainly something I'd I'd like to analyze at some point. Mm. I think there's going to be you know tangents off. Uh, you know the analytics that we see in the FI community that are going to grow massively with the depth and the strength of the order books especially with the Nasdaq integration it's just going to be amazing to see it's going to I think um, I think uh, Akash mentioned the first stage of the MEs lighting up like a like a Christmas tree when they launched it and I think when the Nasdaq implementation comes in I just I'm really excited to see it yeah I think it's going to be I think it's going to be amazing for the platform it's going to be the start of something. It's the start. The start, yeah. isn't it, right? You know, yeah. I, I tweeted something like, we, we haven't even lit the match. Building you know, the rocket. Even, 
yeah, we haven't even we haven't we're, we're pretty much fueling the rocket at the moment, which mm. is uh, where mm. we are. I so, think I guess. Got a question there from Saul. 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 I don't know if it's Saul. Saul after Saul Minguez or after Better Call Saul. So uh, I've said both just in case. Great show, Fig. Your voice is becoming quite familiar on my daily commutes, and thanks to the data guys for their great work. Also, thank you on all our behalves. Why do you think FI haven't implemented PB data into the player details within the app? Is this purely down to a lack of tech, or could it be tactical? So what are your thoughts here? I think we've alluded to a couple things earlier, Stephen, but uh, we haven't really answered this, have we? Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think it's down to tech at all. I think it's tactical. Um, Like I mentioned before, around Bet365 and other betting companies, they don't provide that sort of data to you. Um, I think they might provide a little bit more than what they do currently, but I can't see it being too much more. Um, You've got Edge out there, Index Gain out there, and there's a couple of other providers. I just think you've got those guys on it full time. I don't see why they'd waste their time with it, to be honest. waste of, I think it could be a waste of money for them. Um, I think they've got bigger projects to prioritise to grow the platform. Yes, that's, that's exactly exactly what Stephen said. I think it's more down to other providers like Gain and Edge. Um, Football Index know that these providers exist. Um, I mean, they, they get their data from the same, whether it's Opta or directly from Football Index. Um, so there's no need for them to do it, to be honest. Um, you you either get a free subscription or, or you pay a, a small fee, and in the grand scheme of things, it really is a very small fee, um, and you you get access to all this data. Um, but if you are listening to this podcast and you're not on Twitter, I, I really would recommend going on Twitter because there's a huge amount of free content um, and great people out there providing a lot of free information, which will certainly uh, or could certainly help your your trading. Awesome. Um... And we've got a question here from The Floyd. Do you think the upcoming 2% commission for bid purchases is the right thing for FI to implement? I, I think it, I think it is, to be honest. Um, I think we mentioned it earlier as well. Um, I, I can't decide whether it's going to reduce the current sell prices by 2% or it's going to start pay, making people to, to market by players. I'm not 100% sure on that. It will will mean that the minimum of spread will be 2% and you'd presume that between now and us getting a full order book system where the sell queue is defunct, the market sell and buy uh, button will be a bit more liquid. Just by by how liquid, by how much more liquid, I'm not too sure, but I think you'd presume it'd be more liquid. Yeah, I I think this is a a nice idea. Um, I'm not sure whether FI will go and do this. but it certainly is a, a nice idea to maybe stimulate um, more confidence in buying um, cheaper players. I, I've talked a little bit about this, and I don't know exactly if FI are going to do something like this, but the 2% commission um, on the bid side, I presume that part of that will be apportioned away for market makers in the future um, to, to kind of give them a percentage of the commissions created or however that's done. I think that gives FI a bit more scope to be a bit more flexible with how they kind of do these deals with third-party providers because they might have more than one market maker at some point in the future. They might only have one really big one. We don't really know, and it's it's hard to say, isn't it? Um, Because that, that is quite an unknown. Well, I think that's all we've got time for, gents. It's been fabulous having you on. Two very smart guys, two very level-headed guys, and two guys who clearly love the platform and have been doing a lot of great stuff from an analytical standpoint. Uh, ben, where can people find out more about you on Twitter and so on and so forth? Um, just Twitter, really. I, I dabbled on the football uh, football index forums, but 
um, essentially Twitter, F-I, at F-I Benman, um, B-E-N-M-A-N. Cheers. I mean, if you're spelling that wrong, maybe you shouldn't be on Football Index. Uh, Stephen, <laughs> uh, how, how about you? Where, where can people find out about you? Yeah, so again, just on Twitter, um, at F-I Data Stephen. Nice, nice. And it's uh, Stephen with a PH though, isn't it? Yeah, always have to get that one right. Always have to get that one right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining. If you guys are commuting right now, getting back to work or doing whatever you're doing, then I hope you have a great and safe commute. If you're not commuting, do whatever you're doing, uh, then, yeah, shout out to the non-commute crew. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Uh, me and Ben fucked everything up by cancelling one recording, then another, then the announcement happened. Now we're recording the day before the launch, so... Here we are, really. It's It's been one of those uh, podcasts. Lots of editing for me to do. Uh, Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Always important to remember. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. <laughs>